0: Welcome to Someday Is Here, a podcast for Asian-American women on leadership and culture. I'm your host, Vivian Mabuni. This podcast has been created to carve out a space for Asian-American women to explore and validate living in both Eastern and Western worlds. Each week, we will celebrate our heritage and highlight Asian-American history, My guests and I will explore our various Asian American journeys, both the parts that we are proud of and the parts that have brought pain. We'll discuss practical tips on leadership and our favorite comfort foods, of course. This is a place and a space to bring words and understanding to our shared experience living biculturally. I am so glad you're listening and look forward to your feedback. Enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Someday Is Here. We are over halfway through season one. It's so hard to believe. And I hope you have enjoyed the different guests that we have had so far. And this week, uh, I just am so excited. I'm so excited to introduce to you Kat Lee. She is the author of Hello Mornings a speaker, a podcaster, and she's founder of hellomornings.org, a mother of three, husband to one, uh, who lives in Waco, Texas. Um, Just fair warning, you may need um, a couple tissues for this episode. Kat shares so beautifully uh, her story, and it's just incredibly moving and so powerful, so I cannot wait for you to hear more of her journey. She is um, half Filipino, and her from her mother's side of the family, and her father's side of the family has a French heritage. So she has grown up mixed race. And in Hawaii, uh, they call uh, people who have mixed race Hapa, which is Hawaiian for half Hapa. So Cat, if she were in Hawaii, would be considered Hapa. Um, but it's... The The journey of mixed-race Asian Americans is its own journey as well. And here on the Someday Is Here podcast, we really want to explore all the variations of Asian American experience, uh, which I hope will include in the future stories of adoption, um, growing up mixed race, uh, mixed marriages, different combinations of everything and as I was listening to Kat and I's conversation um, it just struck me all over again we are all on a journey and Asian American is so broad um, but there is a story behind each face that we see and it does us well to take the time to hear and understand each other's stories so I'm so thankful that Kat was uh, so willing to share her story and I hope that you are as encouraged as I was i um, having spent time with her. So this week, instead of Did You Know on Asian American History, I'm going to be sharing with you something that I'm so excited about on February 22nd, 2020. So 022220. Ha! Isn't that so great? It flips around the same numbers. Anyway, um... We are gonna have the very first ever Someday Is Here live event here in Southern California. We're gonna have speakers come in that have been part of season one, which you're gonna love. Um, We're gonna have lunch together, We will have optional seminars in the afternoon, a time of connection as Asian American women, um, expecting women coming in from all over the country. So especially a warm Southern California welcome to those of you who are living in colder climates and may want to thaw out here in Southern California in February. Um, The tickets are only $25. They will go, those are the early bird prices. They'll go up to 30 come November 16th. So if you want to go to um, Instagram under my profile, there's a link tree, and under there, there is um, a link to the Eventbrite. You can also find it on my website, uh, vivianmabuni.com, and you can find more information under the Someday is Here tab. Um, It's going to be a fantastic day. And I'm so excited uh, for all that's going to come. So um, get your tickets, get them soon. We also have some VIP tickets that are available for closer seating and a few extra special things. Um, But join us. We cannot wait to see you. Have a great week. Enjoy this week's show. Well, welcome to this week's episode of Someday is Here. And I am so, I think I say every week I'm so excited, but I truly am so excited for several reasons. One is that my guest this week, we actually taped an entire interview and lost the recording. It was <laughs> so, so is, sad. It was so sad because it was so great. And I was all, it was just such a great conversation, but I'm so glad. So excited because we're at it again, and we've tested out the mics, and everything sounds great. So, and what do
1: they say? Second time's a charm. I know it's actually third time, but let's go with second time.
0: We'll just go with second yeah, time. So my better. guest is the fabulous Kat Lee, and she is an author and a speaker, and she lives in Waco, Texas. And I am just thrilled to introduce you to uh, to Kat, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. It's really just a beautiful story and I'm just excited about sharing her story with you. So Kat, why don't we just start off with you could just introduce who you are and um, some of your work um, and then we'll just kind of jump in. That sounds great. Thank you
1: so much for having me again. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and I'm
1: so glad we're able to make this work uh, this time. Yay for recording. Um, so yeah, my name is Kat Lee and I live in Waco, Texas with my husband, Jimmy. We've been married 21 years. I always joke that it's so much easier for people who got married in the year 2000 because then they never have to remember exactly when they got married. I'm always having to do some math. So (laughs) 21-ish years and we have three kids. Um, My daughter Anna is 17. My daughter Allison is 15 and my son Jackson is 12. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, and I run a site called hellomornings.org. We are dedicated to helping women build grace-filled, life-giving morning routines. And we do that through online community, through Bible studies, Uh, and I've written a book called Hello Mornings that is all about building a grace-filled, life-giving morning routine. And that's pretty much what I do. I've done a billion things online over the years, but this is what i boiled it down to as really being my heart and my message and uh, my passion. So it's such a, a blessing to be able to live in this day and time when we can sit in our, you know, Rooms. I personally actually am in a closet right now um, and just be able to share with people and encourage other women.
0: I love it. I love your vision and I love the um, the heart that you have for women. And I think you had mentioned in our previous conversation, but just the idea that we could greet our children and greet the day and kind of come prepared with a, a heart that's more settled rather than harried. And yes. I think... That's a game changer, and um, I'm encur- I'm encouraged that that is has been your heart and your example. And so I'm excited. We'll link up all of your connection, you know, your book and your websites and everything in our show notes so people can um, find out more. So awesome. awesome. Yes. So Cat and I have not met yet in person, but it will happen. I'm so it confident. Will. Yes, we have mutual friends, and um, I was so drawn to Kat's story of her journey as an Asian American woman. And I, what I love about this particular um, place for us, the space that we've carved out is that the Asian American story is so varied. Our backgrounds, our, um, our experiences, all of it is so unique and different. And so there are themes that I think, uh, are threaded through that we all relate to, but then how everything gets played out looks different. And so, Kat, you have a beautiful story of your ethnic identity as a Filipino-American, half Filipino, half white, growing up in different parts of the country. And I would just love for you to share with our listeners some of your journey.
1: Yeah, so it's actually so fun for me to be on this podcast. I remember when I first got the invitation, I was like, Jimmy, guess what? I've been invited to be on an Asian American podcast. And then I read, you have a question that says something like, share your favorite Asian comfort food. And I was like, Shoot, Jimmy, she's not going to let me be on the podcast because I don't really know. (laughs) And so then when I emailed you and I was like, I don't really have a lot to share, I don't think. And you were like, no. And we all have a journey, we all have a story. And so I just feel like I've gotten invited to sit at the cool table at the lunchroom in the cafeteria. And just I'm like, oh, this is so fun. So um, it's an honor, such an honor. I, I joke that I am, my ethnicity is jalapeno because I'm, my dad's side of the family has a lot of Dutch heritage, you know, so like Holland. And then my mom's side is Filipino. So, you know, I'm a jalapeno. If you oh, mash those fantastic. together. <laughs> and then I grew up near Mexico, so it feels super appropriate. Okay. Um, no, so this my story is um, my mom was a nurse from the Philippines and she came over on some sort of nurse exchange program to a hospital in Chicago where she met my dad. Uh, he, I don't know exactly how they met. I think my aunt maybe knew her through the hospital somehow and then had a party, invited my dad. Anyways, they met and got married and they had my brother and um, then they had me. And then when I was nine months old, my mom actually passed away uh, from lupus. So I never knew her. I never um, really knew a lot about her. I remember getting some airmail letters when I was little from... Grandparents, my Lolo and Lola is what we call them in the Philippines, and then from a cousin whose name was Esther Sandy, and that's pretty much what I what I knew about my Filipino heritage. I, I didn't, you know, really know a lot about it. I, my dad was, you know, single dad, so it's not like we dived into my ethnic heritage deeply or anything. And I didn't meet any of the rest of my family, um, so I just grew up not obviously not knowing my mom, not knowing anything really a lot about her and grew up feeling pretty much like I was white, (laughs) except when Mm. we would, Well, we we lived in Chicago originally, and then we moved to Brownsville, Texas. So for those listening, Brownsville, Texas is if you imagine the shape of Texas, Brownsville is at the very bottom tip, like literally it is the bottom tip of Texas. So I essentially grew up in Mexico, just, you know, enveloped in the Mexican culture and amazing Mexican food. And I blended in because Filipinos look pretty much like a blend, which they are really a blend between Hispanic and Asian. Um, so, you know, nobody really asked about my ethnicity. They all just assumed I was Hispanic. I actually had to go to school once and have them change the paperwork because they just put down that I was Hispanic. And I'm like, actually, I'm not. Um, so just really, um, really grew up, I guess, kind of in a hodgepodge. I grew up in a white family, in a Hispanic community, um, and, yeah, so so that's kind of my background of, of how, I, how I grew up and what my experience was. I remember one time when I was working in Houston, I went to the University of Houston for a meeting. And I was sitting in their student union building and I went to Baylor University, which is not super diverse or wasn't at the time. And I remember sitting in the student union building and I was looking around and I was like, wow, this is really racially diverse. I think I'm like the only white person here. (laughs) And I sat for a minute and then I like slapped my forehead. I'm like, wait a second, I'm not white. (laughs) Everybody's probably looking around thinking, "Where? there's no white people here. And I'm sitting there thinking I'm the white person there. So, you know, that's kind of just, you know, I just grew up in in my father's family's culture and then grew up in a Hispanic community. So um, I feel kind of honored to grow up the way I did not seeing a lot of lines and a lot of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really shaped a lot of who I am.
0: So in Chicago, how, what was the, the ethnic makeup in your experience in Chicago? Or were you too young to remember that? Or I mean,
1: we moved when I was seven, but it was all my dad's family. So it was completely white, you know, mm-hmm. for, for the most part. Um, that's, that's the only people I remember in the neighborhood we lived in was not very diverse, Mm -hmm. Or anything. So, yeah. Did you ever feel treated differently in that neighborhood growing up? Do you remember? Or no, I really didn't. I really didn't. I really can only remember two times in my life when I feel like somebody treated me differently because of my ethnicity, or or specifically treated me poorly because of my ethnicity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's primarily, I think, growing up in Brownsville, because I did just blend in with everybody. I think that lent a lot to the fact that I never felt treated differently. You know, other other than you know, these these really adorable little old Hispanic ladies would come up and yell at me for not knowing Spanish, and then I'd have to explain, "I, I don't actually, I'm not actually Hispanic, but I'd love to know Spanish. I'm sorry."
0: Yes. Did you have to learn in Spanish to say I'm Filipino? Uh, <gasps> no, I no because I yeah I, I
1: didn't. I was just
0: like no habla español. Lo siento. <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting because my husband is from Hawaii and he's half Japanese, quarter Portuguese and quarter Hawaiian. But here in Southern California, he looks Mexican mm. and on the East Coast, he looks kind of Italian, you know, so he's kind of, he looks, um, he could, he'd make a great spy, basically <laughs> more into whatever you need him to be. <laughs> but, but it's interesting because there's just expectation that he would speak the language, you know, yes. and we just moved our son yesterday to um, LA to a Hispanic community. I don't think I saw anyone who was not Hispanic. And I wondered, like he's with a Filipino friend, actually half white, half Filipino. And then his other roommate is Japanese and then Japanese American. And then him, you know, kind of with the brown hair, but distinctly Asian looking too. And I just thought, I wonder how, you know, I wonder what it'll be like, you know, for Mm -hmm. him to neighborhood. So, Anyway, it was it's interesting to hear about. Well, okay, so growing up, pretty much, you know, homogenous environment. You you yourself are thinking I'm kind of white, or I consider myself white. Um, everyone around me is. So, tell me like the next part of your story as far as just kind of like re, kind of reconnecting with the part of your story of the Asian American part?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So so I guess I consider myself culturally white because that's what I knew, like my experience and my family. But obviously Mm -hmm. then I would look in the mirror and I was like, nope. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so it was, you know, different because none of the women that I grew up with, none of my my grandmothers or my Aunts or any, you know, nobody looked like me. The only person in my family that looked like me was my brother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, which actually lended to a funny experience because we would often cross the border back in the old days when it was pretty safe to just cross over whenever. We would eat Sunday dinner in Mexico. And every time we'd come back, we'd get stopped by the border patrol agents because my blonde haired, blue eyed dad and my blue-eyed grandparents would be taking these two little kids back across the board and be Mm -hmm. like, "Mm, I don't think they belong to you. And we're like, yeah, actually we do. (laughs) So we'd always have to show them some sort of identification. Um, so yeah. So yeah, I grew up not knowing my mother, um, not knowing anything really about that culture being in Brownsville. Uh, it's a pretty poor town as well. So there's not a ton of, um, people coming in and out. Like a lot of people Mm -hmm. just will be born there and stay there. So I didn't know Filipino people either. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's plenty there, but I just never ran across them or maybe a couple there. I don't know. Um, so just, yeah, grew up, went to Baylor and, um, then I started doing this online stuff. And when I started what was essentially Hello Mornings, um, it really kind of took off and the blog took off and, um, I got an email or actually a text message from a guy named Sean Groves. And he's like, Hey, you know, your blog's been doing really well. We like to take uh, bloggers on trips with Compassion International. He was in charge of the Compassion Bloggers program back in the day. And I remember watching these blogging trips and like Ann Voskamp would go or Melanie Schenkel or all these authors and writers that I just totally loved. And I would cry with all the posts and I would um, usually sponsor a new child with every post (laughs) because I was so moved by what they saw and experienced. And, and he said, Hey, we'd love to have you go on the next trip. Mm-hmm. and I just remember being kind of floored because I was pretty new at that point in time. I, you know, I was like, really? I get to use my words to help kids around the world? Mm-hmm. Um, it just felt like such an honor, and um, I remember my husband was out of town, and it was actually kind of late at night. My kids were in bed when Sean texted me, and it was his next message that kind of left me undone, He texted and he said, "Uh, we're going to the Philippines. You want to go? And I just felt like this is such a God thing, honestly, because out of Mm -hmm. all the countries compassion works in around the world, I felt super undeserving to be invited for one And ironically, the blog that I had was a mom blog. And so here I was, this motherless mom blogger, you know, Mm. totally unqualified to write this thing, but felt led to, and totally unqualified to go on this trip to use my words to impact children. And it ends up being to the very country that I'd always dreamed of going to. And I didn't grow up in a world traveling family. We, you know, I'd never been on a plane overseas or anything, so I had no thought that I would ever get to go to the Philippines. Um, Mm. So to have this opportunity, I just, remember I sat down in my dining room chair and I just kind of cried. And I terrified, honestly, uh, but, you know, crying and so excited. And so, you know, of course I said, yes, it was terrifying. I'd never traveled by myself without my husband before. um, And I was going with complete strangers to this place that was super emotional to me Mm. Um, and a few months before I actually went, I remember I was up late scrolling on Facebook as you do, probably eating some snack that the kids didn't know that I had just enjoying late night. And I got this message and, um, it was from this lady and she said, Hey, uh, this is random, but my name is Esther Sandy and I'm your cousin from the Philippines. And I just remember sitting there and I just just started crying again. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember getting airmail messages from Mm -hmm. Esther Sandy. This is like legit. This isn't some random, you know, Mm -hmm. prince in some country that wants to give me a million (laughs) dollars. This was legitimately my cousin found me. Like it meant a lot, not just to connect with her, but that she thought of me
0: Mm -hmm. to
1: find me. Mm. That, you know, we were just too cousins on the other side of the world when they have a billion over there in the Philippines. And she thought to find me. Mm. Um, and I said, you know, we started chatting. I said, hi, well, I'm actually, I'm actually going to be in Manila in a couple months. And she said, great, we'll come meet you. And so on Memorial day, actually, um, I met my compassion sponsored child, who was amazing, and we're actually Facebook friends to this day, even though she's like mm. an adult now. Um, <laughs> and then, that. so that was super emotional, um, just meeting her. Um, and but then after we did that, we got we all got back on the bus, and I'm on I'm on this bus with, um, let's see, it was a couple of bloggers: Tish Oxenrider, she um, the Art of Simple podcast, and then Emily P. Freeman, she's an author, uh, she has a podcast called The Next Right Thing, and then Stephanie and Ryan. They run a thing called Ultimate uh, Langford, a thing called Ultimate Bundles, um, and so just these people that I had literally not met except 24 hours, you know, before I was going to be in this country, and I, it was, I was like, nobody's going to understand how meaningful this is for me, and I'm just going by myself, experiencing by mm-hmm. myself, and I remember getting off the plane in the Philippines and um, walking down like the little gangplank or whatever, and headed to the customs. And Emily Freeman walks up to me and she said, you know, I was just thinking on the plane as we were landing, how uh, monumental and emotional this must be for you. And it's just, you know, I knew she was afraid to fly, afraid to fly by herself. And that was an issue for her as well. And so it just meant so much to me Mm -hmm. that she thought about what, this whole trip meant to me so that it felt like I had somebody to share it with. And then, you know, obviously by the end of the trip, I was sharing it with all of them. They're all a huge part of it. Um, but we walked up to the customs thing and the lady, the, the customs agent looks at me and she's like, are you half Filipino? And I was like, "Yes, I am. <laughs> yes. Nobody's ever noticed that before." And mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I felt like I got my card. You know, like I'm in the club. Yeah. She yes. recognizes and 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 going to the compassion offices. Um, the first day, there there's all these murals on the wall and pictures of all these kids from uh, from specifically from the Philippine Filipino compassion projects. And I was like, "Oh my gosh." That kid looks like me, and that kid looks like me. <laughs> All these kids look just like me. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, just, it was just neat to be surrounded by people that looked like me. And mm-hmm. um, so then that day, we—I we, meet my compassion sponsor child. Her name is Kaur. and we get back on the bus. And Sean's like debriefing us in front of the hotel, and I'm like, blah 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 blah, because I look out the window of the bus, and I can see these floor-to-ceiling windows, and there were this there was this big group of people. And Sean's like sh- debriefing from the day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's my family. And he finally starts talking <laughs> and I run off the bus and I had to like go through security um, to get into the hotel. And I'm just crying at security again. And I, I run in and, and 18 members of my family had traveled over 24 hours by plane, train, automobile um, just to be there to meet me. And, you know, to me, it felt like I was hugging my mom, which I, you know, never done before. Um, so, you know, her sisters and her brothers and my cousins, and, um, they just, you know, they, they greeted me the same way that I wanted to greet them. You know, like we were all in tears and they had their children with them. And, um, you know, it's easy to think that you've could have been forgotten because they have so many family members there. Um, And to know that my brother and I mattered to them um, really meant a lot. So yeah, we got to meet them and, and just, you know, we hugged and we cried and they got to see the daughter of the sister that they missed so much. And I got to see the brothers and sisters of the mom that I never knew. And it was just, um, really amazing. And I think just the Filipino culture as I've come to know it just made it that much more special because um, family is so important. They're just seriously so loving and kind and amazing. And I remember, you know, as we went throughout the night, they showed me some pictures and they had this picture of a banner that they had from a family reunion. And I don't know if it's all Filipino families, but my mine apparently, according to the pictures I see on Facebook, they're super into banners. So there's a birthday <laughs> party, there's a banner, there's a graduation, <laughs> there's a banner and a party. And they had this <laughs> banner from a family reunion. And um, I looked at it and they had a family tree picture on it. And I saw that my brother and I We were on it. And this was from a couple of years ago. It wasn't like from the week before. And there was just something about knowing that all those years when we'd wondered, we didn't know how many aunts and uncles we had. We didn't know who our cousins were. We didn't know anything. And they could have just forgotten about us. And they didn't. That they remembered, even just to put our names on Mm -hmm. this family tree thing that they, for all they knew, we would never see. Um, And they remembered us. And that meant so much. Um, so we're hugging and like the rest of my compassion team is standing there they'd only met me 24 hours before and they're like bawling <laughs> and we're all bawling and I remember I like me right now like, yeah. oh, just reliving it with you again I remember <laughs> it was so funny because then my family was like oh we need to take you out to dinner and so you know I was there on behalf of compassion. So I went over to Sean and Patricia, my team leaders, and I said, "Uh, they want to take me out to dinner. Can I go? And they're like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can go. (laughs) And and so I get in the car with them. And at this point, I'm thinking, you know... I'm really hoping they're actually my family because I'm now in this random car in the middle of Manila where my team has no idea where I am because I don't have any sort of global cellular plan. um, But they legitimately were my family. So we had a great time and it was um, just really, really special um, opportunity and kind of neat to For me to see Mm -hmm. how, you know, for me, how I felt like God took my story full circle in that, you know, I started that mom blog even though it didn't make sense for me to do it and mm-hmm. and my story of not knowing my mom is what allowed that blog to take off which has allowed me to go on the compassion trip which allowed you know i don't even know how many compassion kids to get sponsored and then for me to meet my family and then for me to share this story to so maybe give other people hope of just the redemption in their stories you know mm-hmm. I, I can look back now and just mm-hmm. feel like you know he was like just wait because yeah. In those years when I was sad, when I was little, when I didn't have, you know, somebody to tell me to put a coat on before I go outside, you know, mm-hmm. like moms do or argue with when, you know, she didn't like what I was going to wear when I was a teenager. All those places that felt like it was just total loss to be on this side of it and see how this story has impacted people and encouraged people and given people hope at the redemption in their own stories. It's kind of like seeing the other side of a tapestry, you know? Mm-hmm. Um So it's it's neat to be on that side of it. And I do hope that it it gives other people encouragement and whatever their story might be.
0: Oh, I just love that, Kat. I just so I'm like all a mess over here, as you can see. (laughs) This is the podcast, like, you know, you don't have to actually get dressed up or anything. So (laughs) so I'm still in my pajamas, but (laughs) my eyes are all (laughs) filled with tears, happy tears. I what's so beautiful about your story is how um that the dedication of family Mm
1: -hmm. is
0: so beautiful. And especially I think in Filipino families, Mm -hmm. there's such a tight commitment and love for one another. My best friend is Filipino and her family is just over the top, generous Mm -hmm. and sacrificial and, um, Just there's just so much, so much love, and a lot of nurses, as a matter of fact. Yes, (laughs) it's it's a very common profession in the Filipino culture. So, but I, I love that, and I just think, gosh, in a planet of nearly eight billion people, Mm -hmm. and to think of all of the specific links that Mm -hmm. brought all of that together, and for you to even remember and have those those letters from before when you were Mm -hmm. younger to recognize the name of your cousin so that you wouldn't just discount that as some Nigerian prince, you know, all of it. It's just like, it's just so, so beautiful. And I, I love that.
1: We've actually, one of my aunts has actually moved to the United States. So then um, I don't remember I don't know if it was a year later or two years later, but also on Memorial Day, my family took a road trip to, we were visiting a, um, my, my sister-in-law in Lake Tahoe and we just decided to make it a big road trip and we ended up going to Disneyland and to California. And so my family got to meet my aunt and her whole family mm. and spend the day with them. And um, it was so, so special for me to, uh, I guess one morning I woke up and, My aunt, her name is Rufy, she was, and she's just like, um, yeah, Um, she's just one of the, I feel like, and I, I I, this doesn't sound bad, but I feel like in some cultures, um, there's just this uh, elegance about older women, like some women just have this elegance about them. Mm. And I, you know, I feel like I've seen this, I'm not experienced with lots of different cultures, but in the Hispanic community and then, you know, in the Filipino community, as far as I've seen as well, just this, yeah, I don't know this sort of elegance, um, mm. uh, about older women. And, and I remember my, aunt was sitting in the kitchen and my daughter had already woken up and they were sitting there and they were singing some worship song. I don't remember which one it was. And Oh my gosh, I was like a bucket of tears. I was like, that's what it would have been like. if my, You know, my mom had been around and, and, yeah. and she was just so loving towards her. And it was just really, um, really a sweet moment. And my aunt was also able to give me a bunch of things that I'd never had before that she had that were my mom's. So I got her wedding ring <sighs> And um, I also, for the first time, like in my life, I was 35 at the time. um, She gave me a picture, and it had both me and my mom in it. Oh wow! Um, So that was pretty. That was pretty neat too.
0: More tears. Sorry. (laughs) Happy tears. Tell a joke now. (laughs) I know. No. 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 This is such a great. Just how beautiful and the beauty of family, and I, yeah, and the culture. You know, this is just. This is just the the way that it is, Mm -hmm. you know, and -hmm. it's just so beautiful. So I love it. I love it. Well, I was curious, like, I remember, I mean, I don't, we can cut this part if we need to, you know, so, but I remember you had mentioned um, um, feeling someone had kind of been dismissive, like you didn't, you weren't Asian enough. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of unpack some of that? Like what that, how you felt and what happened and just kind of some of your reaction to that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so it was actually, it was an event, um, and I think there had been some sort of, like, a blogging event, and I was a speaker, and I think there'd been some sort of discussion about it um, not being a very diverse panel or whatever, um, and then somebody said, well, what about cat?" and then mm. somebody else, and I got this third party, so I don't know, like, who it was or, you know, the the whole situation, whether with the ethnicity of the person who said it or whatnot, Um, but I would only assume that the person was Asian because otherwise I don't know why they would say it, but, um, basically they said, well, she doesn't really count because she grew up in a white family Mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, yeah, well, I think the, I had a couple reactions to that. I think it was also the first time that I ever thought, oh. Maybe they picked me because I am Asian, which I didn't want because I've always been kind of a scrappy sort of person. So I loved sports growing up. And I, you know, if we ever played sports at school or, you know, in the playground or whatnot, I always just wanted to be able to play with the boys on my own merit. I didn't ever want anybody to give me any favors or whatever. And so I think in that moment, I realized, oh, maybe I got invited. And I don't think that's what it was, but mm-hmm. it was the first realization of that being a possibility, which I did not like at yeah, all. Yeah,
0: and, yeah.
1: And then it and then hearing that statement said, and um, I actually do think it was by an Asian person, and that's why it b- bothered me, um, feeling like I didn't count, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or, or that my... Ethnicity or my story or my background was invalid in, in mm-hmm. some way. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like I was not a part of the club. Like I was not allowed to sit at the table. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, especially that phrasing again—that secondhand phrasing from sure. you know—I didn't hear the, her say it directly, but just you know, um, yeah, it wasn't—it wasn't my favorite moment. <laughs> yeah, no, um, because I think because. I had not had Filipino or, you know, any sort of group of Asian friends just because they mm-hmm. weren't there. Um, yeah. Then to be discounted from the group that was there, you know, just yes. wasn't, wasn't my favorite moment.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I appreciate you sharing this just because I, I, I think that they're often, I mean, sadly, even it's almost like, um, how can I find the words? It's like this, the sense of people not knowing our full stories mm-hmm. and making judgment. And I think when it comes to issues of our our ethnic journeys and to dismiss or discount, um, I, I think we're, we're all on a continuum of learning. And, you know, I just think it just, it, it speaks to me more of, an, of a scarcity mentality versus an abundance mentality where mm-hmm. there is plenty of room and each of our stories Adds so much more texture and vibrance to the whole Mm -hmm. when we bring all of it. And so I just, I'm sad that that was your experience. Mm -hmm. I think that that happens. And I think it's a really tricky place for us in, um, as ethnic minorities, you know, to kind of be wondering, are you picking me because of how I look or because of my skill set? And I would hope that it's my skill set that I could actually deliver what it is, you know, whatever the format is. Um, and and there's a, a, a tendency to second guess sometimes. And mm-hmm. so it adds to this, this layer that no one else understands except for if you are an ethnic minority. Mm-hmm. Like there's, because diversity is a real issue. Um, there isn't very much representation. We'd love to see more, but um, at the same time, it can't just be just throw in faces because it just kind of mixes it up a little bit. People have to be able to to deliver quality content and, you know, excellence or in the specific area area of expertise. So I think that what you're talking about is a very real... Uh, struggle that we well, have. Well, and it's kind of funny because it's the opposite of what
1: would have been the problem before where I wouldn't get a seat at the table because I wasn't white, you know, mm-hmm. so that could have been the problem mm-hmm. in the past. And right. now I'm concerned about, did I get a seat at the table because I am Asian and not just solely on the quality of my content? So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think also not knowing people's stories, like the person that said that, you know, I don't know what her intention was there, but... You know, growing up with a blue-eyed, blonde-haired dad in a very ethnic community, um, you know, while I actually didn't experience very much, um, I don't know what the word would be, um, I wasn't treated differently. Discrimination, yeah, I don't know how severe it was, but, you know, my dad actually got a lot of flack at work um, for mm his ethnicity and got called lots of names and things, Uh, sometimes in jest, um, but Mm -hmm. sometimes by some people not. So, you know, and and he was a mailman um, Mm -hmm. or a postal worker, whatever we're supposed to call them now. (laughs) Um, And so it's not like my heritage, you know, it's not like I grew up super affluent or something because of my family background. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you just really don't know the experiences and stuff of different people just based on... What you hear, or the background?
0: Yeah, I think that's such a great word and such a good reminder for all of us. You know, in in our various places, like before we jump to conclusions, to take Mm -hmm. the time to get to know people and hear their stories and to understand, you know, the um, the the uh, the places where we come from that form who we are. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. so, and so it's, and it's funny because when you had, when we had first connected and you were like, I feel so honored. And I'm like, Kat Lee would feel honored. Like, (laughs) (laughs) so it just kind of works all around. Like, oh my goodness, I feel so honored. So anyway, so that's just, just fun, 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 fun. Mm -hmm. so. That is so great. Well, I would love to, you know, just like, how has it been raising your three kids? Um, You know, they're quarter Filipino and Mm -hmm. now they've met family, you know, in California, they've gotten to see, you know, see some of their relatives. I mean, what has that been like for them and how, how do you hope to kind of just help them in their ethnic journey?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that I've seen in my kids that, that I hope they've gained from it is just that their friend groups are super diverse and obviously not intentionally. You know, they, they just, mm-hmm. I think because of the way that I grew up um, in not just my family, but again, the culture that I grew up in, everybody was just so different that I, you just don't pay attention to that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, my kids all have very pretty much, if I think through their friend groups, I think every, just about every ethnicity, every major ethnicity is covered. And (laughs) I, I like that
0: uh, Mm -hmm. a lot.
1: Um, And, you know, sometimes my, my husband is, his family's from France. His, actually his grandmother grew up in Nazi-occupied France and is just like this amazing tough as nails woman who married an American GI. Hmm. Um, And so you know, sometimes they'll identify with their French family. Sometimes they'll, you know, really own their Filipino background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just love that they're um, interested in their heritage mm-hmm. and where they came from. I, actually, it's funny because each one of my kids looks very different or has a different eye color. One mm-hmm. has brown eyes, one has blue eyes, one has green eyes. Wow. And my green eyed girl, it looks the most Asian. She actually looks more Asian than I do. Um, she just has, you know, her, her eyes are much more Asian and then she plays tennis. So she's very dark or a lot darker than her brother and sister. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, so that's been fun. I'm, I'm glad that they were able to meet the Filipino family and, and get to know them. I think when we, when we met them, they had a party and so they were able to, really kind of see there's a whole bunch of people there. So it wasn't just a couple of people. It was like a whole bunch of people. Mm. Uh, so I felt like they were able to, you know, eat some different thing, interesting things and mm. see lots of people and hear people talk. And I think Manny Pacquiao was fighting um, oh, on yes. the television. And so <laughs> yes. everybody was super excited. <laughs> uh, mm. So, So that was very, very neat for me. And then my, one of my cousins who, lives in the U S he's really great about how like he's like amazing he's in his 20s but he'll like send little things to the kids and he went to the Philippines and he's like do you want any sort of like um, souvenir and Mm. when I'd gone with compassion I'd gotten a a mug from a Starbucks there and then it broke and I was (sighs) So sad because, like, I can never get another Manila Starbucks mug again.
0: Exactly.
1: And so he went and I was like, Well, if you could, if I could just get like a mug that says Manila. And he sends this giant box with literally oh. all this stuff. There were t shirts for all the kids oh. that said the Philippines. I mean, so much <laughs> stuff. So that. my kids love wearing their um, Filipino t shirts and mm-hmm. using the different mugs that we have. And so, um, so yeah, while. I think they probably know a little bit more about their Filipino culture than I did growing up. Mm-hmm.
0: So that's been that's been neat. Wow, I love how you're celebrating that part and just the instilling in them that pride of their, mm-hmm. their heritage and their family. and And I think even, you know, for my white sisters that take the time to figure out their background, their ethnic mm-hmm. background, that they're actually German or Scottish or each of those cultures has different, variations It, you know, being French is not being, you know. Swedish. Swedish, exactly. Right, and yeah. so um, I think it's like my friends who are white that are really in tune with their heritage, mm-hmm. their ethnic heritage. It just gives a, a rooting and a grounding. And I, I, my hope is that as non-Asians are listening to this podcast and learning about Asian culture and different, you know, ways that we express ourselves as, as Asian Americans, that they, they too would go back and explore their roots because it mm-hmm. just kind of gives us a grounding, like this is who we are mm-hmm. and this is um, how, these are all parts of who we are and they're, they're all important because they inform some of our, our values or our tendencies or the things that, you know, what we bring to the table. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's so great. Well, do you have like a, a leadership lesson that you tend to just uh, see as like a guiding light or, a you know, like a North Star? I, I mix my metaphors all the time. You kind of get the <laughs> idea, right, Kat? Like, yes, what, yes. What would be a leadership lesson that you would like to share with our listeners? You know, I
1: think for me, the thing that shapes my leadership the most is just really loving the people that I'm leading. And Mm -hmm. how can I find out where they want to go and how can I get them there? Um, You know, whether that's a part of what I'm leading, like Hello Mornings, uh, you know, my team, whether that's, you know, them staying with Hello Mornings for years and years and years, whether that's launching them off to do something different. um, What is it that they're really passionate about and feel like they are called to and how can I help them? to get there. I love getting behind people and cheering people on. And Mm -hmm. I think that if we're putting the vision out there as leaders and then getting behind them and cheering them on, I think that's such a powerful way to to lead and inspire. Um, Because Mm. I think a lot of people, you know, there are things that they want to do, but sometimes they just don't believe that they can actually do it. And so if we can put the vision out there that, Hey, you, can do this. You know, anything is learnable pretty much. Mm-hmm, you know, I might mm-hmm. not ever, you know, I might not be able to dunk a basketball, but I could jump, you know, 10 inches with the trampoline. You know, we, get, oh, that's a <laughs> terrible example. That's like the worst, That's <laughs> like the worst analogy I've
0: ever come up with. So let's okay. skip that get that one. The, I get the, get point, the idea. Though. The yeah. idea that we can always. Yeah push ourselves a little bit more and yeah. take and learn and mm-hmm. our brains are such that we have the capacity to expand. And yes. so yes. being able to be the type of leaders that love people toward mm-hmm. those things that we think we can't, they think they can't do.
1: Mm-hmm. And just say, Hey, you can do this. I'm going to mm-hmm. put the vision out there of what you can do and maybe how you can get there. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. get behind you and encourage you and cheer you on as you go.
0: Oh, that's so good. I really appreciate that. And I really like that a lot. So, okay. So, we, I remember we had talked through the whole Asian food, favorite Asian food question, which then you went to describe the, the food that you got to eat in the Philippines. Yes. And so, yes. Can you describe it again? And then we can ask one of our Filipino listeners to kind of <laughs> name it because there's probably a great name for it. But tell me what you've eaten that you've really enjoyed, whether it's at your aunt's house or in Manila itself. Like, yes, I would love to yeah. hear.
1: So I saw, I remember seeing the question and I was like, Shoot, I don't know any Filipino <laughs> foods. Like we ate stuff at my aunt's house, but I don't it, I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's called. Um, but I do remember when my family whisked me off from the hotel in Manila. We went to this restaurant and there was like this just garlic, rice. I that I, it was rice and there were big pieces of garlic in it. And I just remember it was heaven. It was so, 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 so good. And then there was also this um noodle thing that was mm-hmm. really good too. <laughs> That's real specific. I know it's going to help a lot of people to figure out what it was, an Asian noodle dish, but yes, it was some sort of noodle yummy dish with lots of things in it. And that was really mm-hmm. good too. So, oh, yeah. you know.
0: That is awesome.
1: Yes. Try looking that recipe up on
0: all recipes. Will, <laughs> yes. Was it? The noodle delicious Filipino noodle dish. Yes. No, I actually have an idea. It could be pancette. Maybe. Oh, that sounds like it might be that. That sounds familiar. Noodley. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. We'll confirm. We'll confirm okay. peoples okay. and do that. But the, I don't know if you know this, but my husband and I actually fell in love in Manila. And so oh. I don't think we got to it in our first conversation. This is why we had to have a second conversation. Of course. <laughs> There's a reason for it. Of course. So we actually spent a summer in Manila and we led a team and, um, during that time, we fell in love, and so Aww. eventually got married. But we um, traveled, and we ate at Jolly Bee, and we had Hollow Hollow, which is that dessert thing that has like the um, it's it's kind of a it's like a drink dessert with chunks of fruit in it, and it's really tasty. So if you come out to Southern California, I will take you to a place where we can get more hollow. holo. holo. But okay, which was like the the thin egg rolls that have the really yes, I delicious- did have that. What is that yes. called? Lumpia. Oh yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, right. So, oh my goodness, yes. I always love going to the Filipino birthday parties because inevitably it's got the the food spread with those huge Costco size the foil things, foil, yes. and just just loaded with so much delicious food. And then inevitably, as the party goes on, someone starts to sing karaoke. <laughs> 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 it's just so much wonderful. So anyway, I love that. So. I do hope that we can have a Southern California adventure and, you know, con- continue to connect. That, that would way. be amazing. Yes. Yes. So that is so fun. So we will, we will find out the names of the things, but I love that your kids got to try and you, you mm. know, it's just, it's just so, it's so such a, your story cat is so beautiful and so meaningful. And um I think that, the different renditions of it, even, I don't know if that's the right word, but just how you've stepped out and, you know, having not grown up with a mom and seeking to be a mom that could be intentional, Mm -hmm. um, how that really speaks to women who are um, trying to navigate these really complicated years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's so, so, and it goes beyond motherhood. It's really just women, too, you know. So, I just, yeah, I just love how you are putting your words out to help change people's lives for the better. So, I think, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and I think, you know, hopefully another encouragement is just that
1: you don't have to be an expert to encourage other people. Obviously, Mm. I had no idea idea what I was doing as a mom, but I just wanted to be a good one. And I hoped that my passion for motherhood um, would encourage other moms as well, that I could say, you know, you know no matter what kind of, of mom you are, that what you do, it matters, you know, whether Mm. you're, whether you're present or absent, you know, 44 years later, you're still going to be remembered and you're still going to be known. And, um, yeah. And I think, so yes, just hope that encourages people that whatever you're passionate about and whatever you want to learn about, you can encourage other people in, even Mm. if you're not an expert, just in the journey.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is so good. Well, how can people get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, so you can find me at
1: hellomornings.org. And I think from there you can find all of our Instagram, Facebook, all that sort of stuff. And then I, my personal Instagram is Lee, And um, I, I just share kind of personal stuff there. So, but yeah, hellomornings.org is the place to find me.
0: That is great. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I will I will just look forward to our paths crossing in real life. But I'm just so thankful for um, for your your heart, your example, your story. And um, yeah, just time to to get to know you. Well, I'm so
1: glad you invited me to be on here. I was so excited about it telling my kids how to guess what kids. Um,
0: <laughs> so I'm glad that we got to do it once and we got to yep. do it again. Yeah, and And second time. It is. It was so fun. It was great the first time, too. But there's other things that we got to talk about that we didn't the first time. So maybe we do it again, you know? Yes. It's like Groundhog Day of Podcasts. Exactly. The Groundhog Day of Podcasts. I would not mind because you are so wonderful. Oh, you're so kind. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much. And I look forward to everyone connecting up with you. And um, we'll have everything in the show notes. And just grateful for you, Kat. Thank you so much. Ah, uh, Thank you, Vivian. Thank you for joining us this week on Some Days Here. If you've liked what you've heard, please take a moment and subscribe to the show so that each new episode automatically downloads to your device every week. And thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends. We would love for you to rate and review the show so that others can find out about us. A special thank you to the brilliant team that makes Some Days Here possible. The Some Days Here logo is designed by Jocelyn Chung. The original music is by Joseph Patrick with PassionNet Productions. Show notes on the website are by Vicki Pham. The sound engineer is Aaron Kretzman. The Director of Design and Website Designer is Kenny Wong. And the Executive Producer is Chantel Reynolds. Have a great week. And we look forward to you joining us again for another episode of Someday is Here.